I'm Rabbi Nicole Guzik. And I'm Rabbi Erez Sherman. And, and this, this is SinaiCast. Sinai Catch up with Sinai Temple's latest programs, speakers, exclusive content. Candid conversations and inspiring connections. Follow us now. Bringing Sinai wherever you go. Um, and again, remember this was, you know, this was 25, 30 years ago. Emily is now 30. So she emerged as a typer, you know, five years ago and, you know, got into the educational system in 1993, 1994. So this was a long time ago, you know, where, you know, there weren't as many devices available. There weren't as the electronics were different. The communication was methods were different. So we brought her home and um, we, we, we decided that we would revisit what was what's known as facilitated communication. And um, I called a woman who is well known in the community, Darlene Hansen, who many of you are watching may know of, um, who is a specialist in uh, alter, using alternative forms of communication is herself a speech and language therapist in Whittier. And uh, we decided to give it a give it a shot that we would see whether or not this is something that although we had tried it before whether or not it was an, a possibility for Emily because we were we had no other alternatives we right at that point. Um, we knew that if something wasn't done, this would continue she would Emily was not going to move forward so Darlene sent somebody over and uh, the woman worked with Emily for for six months approximately six months or actually I should say five months and it was a lovely relationship. Um, they would, uh, the woman would read to Emily, talk to her, um, they'd read stories. They had a wonderful time on a, every Saturday morning for about an hour or so. And um, finally, Darlene Hansen came to evaluate Emily and see what the progress was and what she might be able to do. And she told us, you know, Emily has too much language, you know, facilitated communication, which is, I will describe in a minute, is not going to work for her. And I just, you know, facilitating communication, for those who don't know, is for Emily, it's just somebody really sitting next to her with her hand, and you can see her demonstrate it later, next to her, just holding her shirt while Emily types out. Um, it is controversial, we can talk about, I'll talk about that in a minute, but um, that's what it was for Emily. In any event, Darlene Hansen said it's not going to work for Emily, that she's got too much language. So, okay, that was okay, what we we're going to do, the woman continued to work with Emily. And then we had this amazing breakthrough. Um, we went on a trip um, after this woman had been working with Emily for about five months, we were given the opportunity to go on a trip to Ireland with a group of individuals who have developmental disabilities. And I was absolutely thrilled to go on this trip because I had been a, traveled with my family as I, when I was young and I thought this would be fantastic to take Emily on a trip, there would be behaviors there, there would be people to assist us. We went on the trip and it was not so great. Um, and, you know, one of the what happened essentially was um, we came home, I came on in an airplane, up in the air, over the ocean, and Emily has truly an epic, an epic, epic um, meltdown. And um, after that trip, we came, we came home, Emily gets off the plane, and the next morning she sits down with this person, we called her and said, you know, the person been working with her and said, please come over. Um, we had a rough time in Ireland. We had a rough time on the trip home. We need a break. We need a respite from what went on. Um, please come over. And so she did. And Emily sat down that day and with her, she typed out, I have been buried under years of dust. And now I have so much to say. And with that, Emily's life was changed forever. And so was ours. 
in every way possible. And this method that Emily uses, this, um, this facilitated communication is something which has certainly changed her life and is something which I think people need to understand is a valid and wonderful form of alternative communication uh, that should be considered along with a whole panoply of other forms of, of alternative communication to anyone who has any challenges in verbal communication at all. Um, the book, our book takes you through the time essentially that Emily um, began to communicate and the very first steps of what communication looked like for her and how it got her to attend college and to begin to make friends. But so much has happened since Emily, since this book was published. Um, Emily's world has really changed completely and so has ours because not only has her ability to communicate um, given her the ability to not only share how she feels about us and to tell us how much she loves us and appreciates um, what we've done for her, which was really the earlier part of uh, really some of the most the earliest words that she expressed to us, but also to communicate with the general world. I mean, she has speaking friends, she has developed relationships, she can be in a classroom setting and interact with her classmates. She can communicate in all, in, all, in all environments and also this ability to express her inner world through her poetry and her essays and her reflections on the world and politics and everything else. So there has been an explosion of her communication uh, and her ability to let the world know who she is and what she's about. And this is not, this Emily's life has been quite a struggle for her uh, cha many challenges. I mean, we've persisted and she's persevered. Um, there has been so much um, that I really have to give such incredible hats off to Emily for, you know, persisting. And also for, you know, I have to, credit has to be given to Emily for allowing her story to be told, because this is a very, very personal story. Um, it's a story not only of our struggle as a family, um, but it is also you know, her personal struggle. And there's two sides to the story, you know, and we tell this story in two voices. Uh, so you hear not only from what was going on with my with me and Tom, but also what Emily was experiencing, because in the process of being in a classroom environment or being around other people, she was always hearing what people were saying and she was feeling it, but she couldn't speak up and say, stop that, or I don't want you to do that. And no matter what I tried to say to people to try to control their speaking about her or saying anything negative, um, people didn't listen to me. So. You know, it, it, my, I really think Emily deserves an incredible amount of credit for uh, allowing people, for, for, for allowing us to, to, to do this book together or participating in this book um, and for letting the world know what, what, what she's been through. So at this point, I don't know if anybody has any questions for us or Carolyn has some questions a little yeah. bit about what you want to ask us. Well, thank you so much, um, Valerie. It's, uh, uh, for, for introducing us to you, to, to Emily and to your story. Um, I have just a, a very broad question and there are questions in the chat. So um, if I might just 
push a little bit and then we can go um, and I'll let you know what other people are in the audience are, are thinking about. Um, I wanted, was curious if you could speak to what helped you personally um, remain such a steadfast and fierce advocate for Emily um, as you went through her childhood meeting up with all of the judgments and obstacles the system threw at you. If you could speak to your, what well, your personal strength Well, Emily always motivated me. I mean, our daughter, our daughter, Emily, was the brightest light as a child. And, you know, everything was going pretty well for Emily until she hit that 18 month time. And there was a, a light in her that I couldn't and would not accept was gone. I figured it was once there, it's got to be there. And that's how I went forward with things. It's like, it's in there. She's in there and I'm going to get her out of there. And that's all there is to it. And, you know, I think also it's person my personality. It's like, I, I just don't, I just don't roll over. Um, I mean, I will say that I was a little bit, you know, I, I tended to believe professionals though at the time. And we were, we were faced with so many new things and we were dealing with behaviors. We were dealing with speech and language. We were dealing with, with fine and gross motor issues. I mean, there were so many, so many battles to be fought simultaneously. And we were trying when she was very young to put everything together. And so any parent of a child with a developmental disability will know that you're here, there, and you're everywhere, and your head is spinning, and there are people coming in and out of your house, and you don't know where to turn, and you don't know what to do. But, you know, at some point, and so there's a lot of listening to a lot of people. Um, I wish I had list, stopped listening to some people a little bit sooner than I did. But that was trial and error, and we, you know, that was, you know, we all make mistakes. But I always we adored Emily. There was so much about her. I mean, like I said, her ability to solve problems non-verbally, her ability to give us a look um, of acknowledgement. There were there were just signs along the way, and I felt always felt that you know, looking in those eyes of hers, um, there was so much there. And so it, you can't walk away from that. I think when you know your child and you know what's inside, um, or what you feel you intuitively is inside, that you have to move forward, and that's what we did because we believed in her. I, you know, if I had felt differently about Emily, that there there were more there were extreme limitations that, and I I may have accepted it differently, but I did, but I didn't think that was the case with her, because of the way she was in those first eighteen months, because of the person she presented as, and the way she the way she was and you know she was also very engaging in her you know with despite the fact that she was nonverbal she was always very engaging um very adorable um and um that brought that always brought brought us back yeah thank you um the the whole you know the connection is so it's magical listening to you that that uh, no matter that a, that a parent and a child have this connection um is and there's this, that special way of communicating and then to have that frustration and to be dealing with the system and um and then to see her emerge with the facilitated communication uh, must have just been really uh miraculous that the world could see what you would already that you'd always seen well, it was extraordinary. And it was, you know, when it first started happening, you know, we were like, 
is this really happening? Is this, is this really happening? I mean, Tom and I would look at each other and we, we would sit through sessions when the woman would come and work with Emily and go, is this really happening? Then we'd record it. Then we'd look at it later and go, we don't believe this is happening, but it is happening. And it really is happening, you know? So it, it was, it was miraculous. I mean, it was, I mean, it, it's such a joyful thing to see your child being successful. And, you know, that's all that's happened since she started communicating in this fashion is that she's been successful. I mean, the whole world, her whole world has changed um, and she's happier and she's doing everything. I think that, you know, um, that she's doing a lot of what she wants to do. I think she wants to do more and different, but right now she's doing a lot of what she wants to do. Absolutely. That's so great. Um, I have one more question for you. And then I, if I can I'll go to the chat and um, I see that there are a few questions, but I really do want to encourage everyone in the audience to um, feel free to ask questions. We're going to hear Emily is here and ready to, to respond um, to questions as well. So um, just real <laughs> quick, um, I know Tom is in the audience and you just mentioned Tom and this was a parenting journey that you took together. And I was just wondering if you could speak for a moment about how you, you grew um, as a couple um, in parenting and co-parenting, Emily, and the role that communication played um, in, in some, you know, uh, keeping you together uh, in this common mission to give family the best life possible. Well, we're pretty frank in the book that there, were, there was plenty of there were plenty of issues which emerged during the course of parenting uh, parenting Emily. I mean, but you know, it would be it would be um, not unusual for that to happen, no matter. I mean, I think Emily, the Tom and I really were certainly at one, and uh, we had a, a, a an unity, I should say, in terms of wanting the best for Emily. I mean, she was always number one, and. You know, even when I thought that I was doing a great job of being, you know, number one, handling everything and treating everyone, treating Tom and Tom and Emily equally, the fact is, is that Emily was getting um, the, the most of it, and that's all that there was to it. And and Tom understood that and wanted Emily to get the best. So, but there wasn't that it wasn't that we didn't have differences. I mean, we did. We were different people. We have a different style. We have a different approach. We have different, much different temperaments, uh, and. Um, you know, it was sometimes it was really it was really tough, but, you know, getting past the hurdle of this language, I think, has actually brought us even certainly closer um, uh, now. Uh, but I don't think it was ever a question that we weren't going to stick it out and to be sure that we had we're giving Emily a really stable life and a life of, you know, you know, continuous love from both parents. Uh, and, you know, we've always made things work. Tom and I have always made things work um, in some fashion, you know, both even when both of us were working full time, you know, we still managed to get Emily to school and get her picked up and um, work, a, a, you know, our, our schedules in some fashion um, to ensure that she, you know, got to services that she needed and always had what we felt was, uh, you know, her a program that was appropriate for her. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was just Tom and I just really love each other and we love her more than 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 anything. So I think that that's really what motivated us. That's that's really it's almost that simple. Just pure, just such pure, total love for her. Thank you. <laughs> um, so um, 
shifting now to the to the questions um, in the chat. Um, this is a question um, from Jay Harwit. Um, did you ever have a school administrator who was supportive? I ask as the former clergy person for Sue Rubin, the creator of the film Autism is a World. One day in the local supermarket in Whittier near the temple, I met Sue's elementary school uh, principal who told me he had helped. You know, actually, it's interesting. Um, there were and there have been people who have contacted us who were um, people involved with the school district. I wouldn't say that everyone uh, was not on our side, but there was certainly um, enough hostility. There was hostility from certain teachers. I would certainly say that, yes, there were um, inclusion facilitators in the school district that were on our side, but they were up against um, their bosses and people in the school, I mean, in, you know, in the principals, because the principals run the show. And if a principal pushes back, you know, and having a student in a classroom setting, then, you know, you're not going to, you're going to have difficulty. So we did have, so we had inclusion people that were on our side. We did have certainly um, some, t some, um, um, some administrators was a, there was a, uh, I, uh, particularly in, in elementary school, there was one principal who certainly, um, adored Emily and was certainly um, very much, you know, helping us. But then, you know, as Emily aged, um, it got it got more difficult. Honestly, uh, there was a lot of pushback from um, middle school uh, personnel and high school personnel um, in places which I will not name, but which, <laughs> um, you know, which made it very difficult for us. And uh, even though some teachers would try and get Emily into certain classes, there were, there was, the administration did often push back. So it was a mixed bag, you know, it wasn't consistent. I am at all, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that everyone was, um, you know, was, was not welcoming of Emily, but, um, but there were many that, 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 that were in power, I would say, who were difficult, who were very difficult. Thanks. Um, this is for Emily from uh, Anna Barraza. Um, she writes, Emily, what is your favorite poem nowadays and why? <laughs> I. Don't. No. That. I. Have. A. Favorite. Because to be honest, I don't. 
read a lot of poetry. These days it's text books <laughs> and I don't know that I have a favorite because, to be honest, I don't read a lot of poetry these days. It's textbooks and articles. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just to let everybody know, we will be hearing um, one of Emily's poems um, at the conclusion of our session tonight. So, um, uh, so look, we'll look forward to that. Um, so uh, the next question um, is from Michelle Taus, and she asks, uh, can you please tell us more about who trained Emily in facilitated communication, how long it took to train her, and what iPad program she uses? So um, the person who is local here in Los Angeles who is... Um, who we originally started with, um, there was, she had an employee who came to us um, and um, it, her name is Darlene Hansen. And so she's a great resource for people that are looking to get started in this. Um, as I explained before, Emily was working with somebody for about um, five months on doing facilitated communication. Um, and Stephanie Lewis, if Stephanie wants to pop her head in there, Stephanie is Emily's communication partner now. Um, but the, the process of training Emily, it was more like it just sort of happened. I, I have to say that, um, when somebody is, knows how to communicate or how, not how to communicate, but how to work with an individual, um, it, it, it sort of happens for Emily, you know, she had the five months of an effort being made to, to do it. Other people can start almost immediately with somebody who has the, has, has a little background in this. Uh, but that's sort of what happened is that she worked with somebody, it didn't happen, and then all of a sudden it started happening. Um, Emily can sometimes sit down with somebody and just immediately start typing with them, even though they have no training or they've have just watched, watched, watched what Emily does with somebody else. So it varies. I know that some individuals <clears throat> get into it right away and others need more time to get started. But um, there's a whole whole ladder of training for people who want to become communication partners. It's uh, um, some steps, and if you if you um, you know get in touch with Darlene Hansen or reach out to me, I can give you her contact information, and that might be a good place to get started. She's the best known in the Southern California area for what she does. There's some other folks too that I can also share information with too about. Great, thanks. Um, and um, maybe this is a good 
a good moment to just let everybody know that if um, anyone would like to get in touch with you, Valerie, directly, um, they can, right, at your website, yes, um, yes. ValerieGilpeer.com. Um, and um, if you scroll all the way down, um, there's a, an opportunity to send you directly. And yeah, have a question or right. There's email for for uh, my email is there and Emily's is there as well, so people can just contact us directly. Perfect. Thanks. Um, so someone asked anonymously, um, at what age do you recommend a nonverbal autistic child start facilitated communication training? Well, you know, this is so interesting because um, Temple Grandin. Um, endorsed our, our book and her um, quote is on the front of the book actually and she called me um, she called me um, right before the book was about to be published and to talk to me and I had always understood that she was not a supporter of um, any form of all, really alternative communication but yet um, what she said to me and I think she's probably right about this was that she believes that if a child is not speaking by the time they're six that you should give them an iPad, you know that it it and and see if they can if they can if they can use an alternative form of communication. And there's lots of forms forms of alternative communication. I mean, there's the there's for Emily, and I believe I didn't answer this question before. Um, as far as the as far as the programs, Emily types on just a plain iPad with with no program. Um, there are assisted programs called co-writer various programs that are do voice do word prediction, as you will also find, I believe, in the software that isn't like in an Apple. Um, and then she also just types directly on a, on a, on a computer. So Emily can use various, uh, can type just about anywhere, and she can type uh, on a phone as well. Yeah, so she doesn't really need a program. Um, and that's an answer to the last person's question. In answer to this question, um, there's other forms that you can use other than a, an iPad to communicate. There are letter boards. Uh, which is essentially a laminated board, um, you know, which is essentially a, like a, a the the typewriter, which is laminated, and people do they just they it's called spell to communicate. Well, it's a form spell to communicate is another form, um, and some people just use the letter boards just to to type things out. Um, it doesn't record what a person is saying, so you have to have somebody who scribes it. But it's another way of a person spelling out what they're what they're saying, and then it's trans. You know, it's essentially um the words are put together by a person who's with the that individual so if you can imagine i wish i had one with me i don't have it right here now but um but if, if a person would just point to the letters point to the letters on this board and then who's ever with them would then turn it into words and then sentences and phrases okay awesome thanks um but, but, but if I can say, I think any form of the whole point, really, one of the whole, really, the, the biggest point of our book is that whatever, whatever form of communication you can find is the form of communication to use, because there's just no question that being able to communicate is a complete life changer. I mean, we all need to communicate and we as a society need to understand that people do have alternative forms of communicating and that just because we valorize verbal speaking and it is the most economical way to communicate. Um, it isn't going to work for everybody, um, but that doesn't mean people shouldn't communicate. They have to communicate. You know, we, we have to know what people are thinking and what they need and what they want. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, 
So here is a question from Rosita. Um, does Emily go to college? How does the college facilitate her learning and studying? Maybe Emily, do you want to feel that? Yeah, why doesn't Emily answer that? Do you want to repeat it? Emily, you want this question? The question is, does Emily go to college? How does the college facilitate your learning and studying? Yes. I. Have. A. Very. Good. Relationship with my counselors in the Disability. Office. But. Really. My. Professors are so supportive as long. I let No. What? I? Yes, I have a very good relationship with my counselors in the disability office, but really my professors are so supportive as long as I let them know what I need. Thanks, Emily. Um, so, um, there's curiosity about, um, what colleges 
support um, students with who are using facilitated communication or may have nonverbal autism. Um, there's Emily School or yeah. Oh, there's, so, there's so many of them. UCLA. There, um, Emily has a friend who goes to UCLA. There's Valley College. There's Cal State. Uh, there's Cal Lutheran. I believe Cal State Northridge. There is a whole list which has been, and there's states. There are there are schools throughout the country. If anybody is interested, um, I can um, get them that list. Um, but there's so many schools. Um, Emily was at Santa Monica College. She's now at Valley College, but Santa Monica College. She was the first person um, there that used facilitated communication. They were astonished, um, but that's where she got started. And uh, yeah, so they were they were supportive. The academic teachers tend to be extremely supportive. Um, we had a little more trouble with the elective teachers, um, uh, but the academic teachers were very supportive. And you know, as far as accommodations, when classes were meeting in person, um, I'll just I just add to what Emily said. I mean, she would basically take her her exams in a proctored room, separate from the uh, other students, so that she would have quiet space. Um, with her communication partner, and they'd be proctored so that they could verify um, that she was, you know, answering the questions. Um, and it, it all worked out fine. Um, you know, we and we, we with the, really with the exception of an art teacher, <laughs> we haven't had any problem at all. She hasn't had any problem at all. Been very supportive and very, very easy. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so someone asks, uh, is curious um, to what extent um, Emily can communicate verbally um, if she has uh, the ability, the skills to, to communicate verbally or if she prefers to use the iPad to, to speak uh, through typing. Emily, Emily does have language, but she's just what they call minimally speaking, and she doesn't speak necessarily in full sentences. She speaks in one or two to one or two or, or words. It's 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 what you call more limited functional communication. Um, if people read the poetry and the prose in the book, you'll see that um, what she's capable of is extraordinary. And of course, her poems. I mean, she writes poetry practically every day. Emily writes poetry. Uh, and of course, she writes essays and she wrote, she, you know, if you Google her name at the Valley Star News, you'll see all the articles that she's written for the newspaper. So that sort of thing is committed to, to writing. Um, basic wants and needs can be expressed through language, verbal language. Awesome. Um, so um, we are kind of nearing the end. I have one more question for Emily. I want to be sure, Emily, that um, we hear what you would like to say to the to all of us um, in this audience about where you are now, how how your life has changed um, as a result of the facilitated communication, and maybe a word about um, where you want to go, what your goals are, um, and then after that question, that's a lot. Um, after that, we can hear your poem and say goodnight. I think that
communication is really the golden ticket to the world so work Power. It and please Advocate Power Lose Still Finding there I think that communication is really the golden ticket to the world so work for it and please advocate for those still finding their voice yeah. thank you so much um thank you Emily um, we are, I want to be mindful of our time. Um, we have just a few minutes left. Um, there's one more question. We want to answer it briefly. I want to be sure everyone gets their, gets their questions answered and then we can hear Emily's poem and um, say goodnight. I'm going to, um, I want uh, to end with Emily's poem and on, with her voice. Um, so I will just say thank you everyone for attending. Um, I'll say this now and um, please, um, I think that um, there, uh, the, where to reach Valerie and Emily on their website and also where to buy their amazing book um, is, um, uh, should be listed I think in the Q&A or the chat. Um, if not, please um, contact me at choffman at signingtemple.org or uh, contact Valerie directly. Um, so the question is, uh, what is the role of the facilitator? So the role of the facilitator is really to provide Emily with, with encouragement and emotional support. 
that's all she, that's all that the facilitator does she just simply is there um, maybe saying you know you can do it continue whatever and just to be there and you know, this has been historically a little controversial because so many people who work with a facilitator do the hand over hand or at least that's what people believed was going on with emily though it's simply to sit there and to um, be next to her and to encourage her to continue with her words. And that's really what it is, you know, I mean, that's really what what the, the person is doing. It's a very minimal involvement. Um, I'd like to think of it more of what you might call supported communication um, uh, rather than facilitated communication or encouraged typing, something like that, I think is probably um, more appropriate than um, than uh, really facilitated communication, but that's sort of the the words that are that are commonly used to describe what, what goes on. So I think Emily's screen has gone black. Let me see what's going on here so we can get her get her poem up. Yeah. I think we can all use support and encouragement at different times in our life. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and play the poem, okay? Okay, okay perfect. Thank you. Good night, everyone. I'm going to end. I'm not going to say anything more. We'll end with Emily. Thank you very poem. much for having us. I was thank, so thank you so much to Valerie and Emily. Dream. Something like walking in the shoes of a girl different from me and the days that led me to this exact point. They have reason to stain my memory and disrupt my emotion. But I cannot deny and cannot claim that everything since then would not be the same had those moments not happened, though sometimes with tears down my face and the bubbling inside that pours into rage. It's just that some days have led to everything since then. And I would not be me if it wasn't for her. The girl who was silenced and hadn't yet heard of the things that were waiting on just the other side of frustration and anger and confusion inside. That eventually there could be another way, a better way to say what you need to say that doesn't involve a landed plane or at M blue lights and feeling afraid. Because everything since then is when life really begins. The everything that couldn't be if it hadn't gone that way for me. If I hadn't lived those struggles and times that clearly stayed and clearly define a human with too much to say, who clearly doesn't have a way. But it's okay. It's okay. Because of everything since then. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily. Thank you thank so you much for time. being here. And thank you to Valerie for being thank here. You. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you.